I can do things that wet without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Island, world's biggest barrel of and fun. anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design, that is. You've just set sail on an unmatched journey of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and riding the Rippling River with me is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer for Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Which way's the river taking us today, Mel? Freddie, we've got a unique episode on the horizon day as we interview one of the Themed Entertainment Association's first ever Catalyst Award recipients, Sina Baran. Sina is the founder of Prime Access Consulting. Uh, that's an inclusive design firm that helps attraction designers implement accessible solutions that make knowledge, culture, and technology available to the widest possible audience. And that we're so excited to have him as part of our extended team for a very special project, which I'm hoping you're allowed to talk about here. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Cena is unique. I, I had a, the pleasure of hearing him speak at the TEA Summit, and I, and I knew his story would blow our audience away, so I had to ha- ask him to be on the show. I immediately asked him to join us for an interview, and he didn't disappoint, I'm telling you. His passion and enthusiasm for helping create experiences for everyone is infectious. I dare you to match his enthusiasm. All righty, folks. Keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. You know, Freddie, um, when the the ADA, or Americans with Disability Act, passed in 1990, um, that was a pretty groundbreaking uh, deal um, for uh, the uh, certainly the architecture uh, industry, for the real estate development industry, um, you know, and, and actually we're excited to be working with uh, one of the catalysts uh, that really kind of worked uh, to get that that passed. Um, you know, and it has radically, of course, changed the way new attractions are built, how old attractions are modified. I mean, some of the blatantly obvious examples like the, the alternative experience with the Captain Nemo, with the sub ride, um, with the, the Sleeping Beauty castle walkthrough yeah. uh, experience. Those are some, you know, kind of obvious examples. But um, quick question to you, as you've been able to go deep uh, with this particular uh, unique project and, and really, under, you know, kind of getting a broader understanding of, of specially able, of dis- disabilities, of inclusive design. You know, my question is, how should we approach attraction and experience design with the needs of our entire audience in mind? I mean, I'm asking that as a father yeah. of a a deaf son and, um, you know, we, you know, different kids with different types of dis- learning disabilities, uh, you know, how do, how, how do we come across this if, if we're not experiencing some of this stuff ourselves? Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing question to, to ponder and think about. And, uh, the, you're hinting at a project that we're working on, which is really part of, uh, the mission of, one of the biggest disability advocacy organizations in the world. And they've asked us to help create a space for them that 
tells the story of disability for people around the world. But, you know, if we were to build it for all able-bodied people, all sighted people, all people who have, uh, can hear, if we were to build it for people who uh, don't have any uh, disabilities at all, and yet sort of, you know, wedge in some, some ramps and wedge in some braille here and there, are we really trying to speak to the people that we're trying to be um, to advocate for and, and to tell their story. And the answer really is no. And if, if we're not thinking from the beginning of a project, from the very moment we start doing a blue sky, from the moment we start uh, telling the story and thinking about what kind of experiences should we have here? If we're not thinking about those people with disabilities who, who will be darkening the doors of these things, then we're not creating a an attraction that is for everybody it's actually excluding some people which is a heavy burden to bear it actually reminds me of uh, just walt disney's empathy you know of, of requiring his team to to enter disney as a guest you know not to be some vip backdoor front of line you know anything but to actually not only walk in be in the same queues uh, as his guest, yeah. to, to actually get on a knee and look at something from a child's perspective. I mean, it's really just an extension of that idea of walking in someone else's moccasins <laughs> and uh, <laughs> seeing things uh, from a different perspective and taking that time to, to put yourself in it, you know, someone's a well, different perception. I think we all think from the outset, if we're going to create some sort of attraction, we want everybody to be involved in it. We want everybody to come, but it's, it's when we start thinking we want to create something for the widest possible audience that that's that's taking a whole new uh, perspective and, and that's a challenge for us in the industry but I think it's something that we're we're going right after and I think there's a hunger for it especially in in today's climate where you really do want to make everyone feel welcome well our guest today is Sina Barham an accessibility consultant researcher speaker and entrepreneur he's an academic and recognized expert in accessibility technologies he helps companies devise innovative and user-centered solutions to significant real-world problems in 2022, he was honored with the Themed Entertainment Association's Thea Catalyst Award for his contributions towards making more accessible and inclusive experiences worldwide. Oh, and one more thing. Cena gave me the interview on one condition, <laughs> and that's that we add transcripts to this podcast to include more people. So guess what? You're now listening to the first ever episode transcripted for our deaf audience. And now our very special interview with Sina Barham. Well, Sina, it is a pleasure to meet with you and be with you today. We're actually recording in the Blue Sky, uh, the Blue Sky Suite at Disneyland Hotel, which is a pretty amazing moment for me. I've never been up in here. It's pretty, pretty good, cool place. It's all mid-century modern, full of fun homages to old Disney uh, rides and the what the Imagineers did in days past. But uh, I am, I'm just so stoked to meet with you today because I just heard you speak on the stage of the uh, TEA Summit about something really close to your heart. You talked about inclusivity and uh, accessibility for people uh, with with all kinds of needs, mm -hmm. a variety of needs. Uh, can you tell me just how 
how you started in this uh, pursuit of trying to help places like theme parks or businesses tell their story better for people with, with disabilities. Sure. Um, well, I happen to be blind, so lived experience definitely um, influences the the lens through which we approach this work, right? And um, for for me, uh, visceral firsthand experience of going to a theme park and maybe not having the most optimal experience, right? Sure, or going to a sure. museum and not having the most optimal experience. And you know, you have a couple of choices. I guess at that point, you can either be upset about it or uh, try to try to change that. And so, uh, what uh, Corey Timpson and I do a ton of is essentially work in this space called inclusive design, where mm, things yes. like you mentioned accessibility, that's an outcome, that's a byproduct right. of inclusive design because we're in we're considering the entire vector of human difference from the beginning through the middle, after implementation, in all the aspects of what we're building, whether it's a digital offering, yes. a physical space like a theme park, an experience. Yes. And then how how can we welcome the widest possible audience in this particular case, folks with different abilities, whether it's mobility cognitive, emotional, sensory, et cetera. Yeah, fantastic. Tell me a little bit about your story. You, you, I, I'm gonna, you, you mentioned a joke mm-hmm. uh, in your, in, <laughs> in your, in your, so your yep. presentation. I'm gonna give you exactly what you were looking for uh, in this joke. So hit, hit me <laughs> with it. Well, sure, sure. But I mean, yeah, I, I um, well, I lost most of my vision at around seven years old or so. Um, tennis ball thing, you know, I was, was hitting uh, a ball against a, a backboard. And so returning the serves, and I, I missed one of them. My face did not, right? <laughs> and thank you for the sympathy laugh. It's much appreciated. It's not a sympathy uh, laugh. That, um, uh, when I heard it, I wanted to laugh. Yeah, but everybody's but, too uncomfortable, Everybody's right? too uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. It's too early uh, yeah. in getting to know uh, you. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, and, you know, from that's that's intentional right like from that moment of discomfort you can kind of you can find out where people are yeah, that's right. and you also can find out that even talking about it this was brought up earlier at the summit is difficult for folks so much less yeah. doing something about it then uh, has this perception of being difficult but we'll come back to that in a second you asked about my my background so yes. you know grew up blind uh, so definitely that lot of lived experience there and then ended up going to school for computer science I'm ABD and a PhD in computer science and uh, do a lot of work in tech on the standards and legal side etc and deep technical standards and helping build places like museums and working on experiences. And the goal of all of this is to have a welcoming experience for audiences, right? It's to make people feel like they're part of the group. When I was a yes, kid, I went yes. to a you know I went to a museum. I had a reasonable experience there, but you know, it kind of carved me up from the rest of my classmates. And then um, <laughs> they're like, "Okay, you're going to go with this guy." I was like a docent at the museum, right? And he mm. took me around. He you know uh, described some things to me and found things I could touch, etc. Not there weren't that many, etc. You know, but then like it was this individualized, separate experience, right? Sure, it wasn't sure. part of the group. And so the goal is not only to make things quote unquote accessible, but to make them inclusive. And the difference yes. is an elevator makes something accessible, but a ramp makes it inclusive <laughs> because everybody can take the ramp. But with the elevator, you're already separating your audience based on ability. Yes, right? absolutely. And I think we, as when, uh, when you bring your family uh, yeah. from from grandma on yeah. down to little kids, you want them to be engaged all together. Yes. You don't want grandma to have a separate experience right. and the, the granddaughter to have a different experience. Exactly. That doesn't mean they don't rely right. on different things. We have kids that are going to, uh, uh, you know, respond to certain pieces of the content, right? We're going to have, uh, uh, you know, jokes and sometimes humor in there for the adults to <laughs> That's keep right, them into, right. to, you know, all these things. That's happen. the jungle cruise for you. Exactly. So then why can't we slip in a little bit 
instead of instead of as you can see here, what you know the the monkeys and the trees are dot 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 right. Yes. You just you just inline the affordance in this case description for an audience that now all of a sudden even though they can't see what you're talking about when you combine it with the physicality and the aural you know the hearing of the experience you've now completed that picture mm -hmm. for them and so that's the goal it's not to take away from one experience and orthogonally then give it to something else it's to build on top of it in a redundant and multimodal multi-sensory if you will way but it's important to understand just by making things multi-sensory we don't make them inclusive yeah Yes, by right. making, you know, right. it'll have audio, it'll have video, it'll have vibrotactile. You'll think, oh, well, this is great. This checks all the boxes. Right. It does. It just doesn't make it inclusive because if they're not designed intentionally to be redundant with one another and convey the same information, then we're simply excluding people based on which sense they, they have. Yes. And you 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 expressed it so well. I, I'm going to say it to you and then you perfect it sure. because, because I'm not sure I caught it exactly how you would you said it, but it doesn't. It's not that the person in the wheelchair yeah. needs to have it an attraction made for them. They're going right. to experience it on a different level than another person, but that you made it so they could, or that you intentionally told the story for them as well, rather than leaving them out. That's right. So the way of thinking of this is like the, I refer to the social or environmental model of disability, yes. where it's the environment that's disabling. So it's not that we're making something for wheelchair users. Yes. It's that for the last few thousand years, we've been making nothing for wheelchair users. Yes. <laughs> right. And so then when we realize what the benefits are, it's when you sprain your ankle, you're also able to take it advantage of that. That's right. When you're just tired, you're able to take a seat because we thought about folks with, you know, various back injuries and did a good job with seating, something museums are very known for not having enough yes, of, right? Yes. Um, it's because when you put that description in to, let's say, some educational content, someone who's looking down and taking notes on a laptop doesn't have to look up because you described it. Now, that might be essential or critical for the blind student in the class, sure. but it's absolutely augmentative for absolutely everybody. And we know multiple modalities means higher engagement, higher memory retention that's for fun exciting awesome stories it's for educational stuff it's for anything in between and so we need to change the way that we are designing things so that we're being inclusive from the get-go yes and then we get all of these myriad of benefits uh, uh, along the way yes talk to me a little bit about what that looks like when we say we're going to start with this in mind yeah. for, you you also said uh you know, just because it has a, a ramp doesn't mean it's, right. it's telling a good story. Right, what? right, right, right. Exactly. No, this is this is exactly right. And so the content content is king, right? We all we all we all know that, right? But it's whom are we making that content for? And also, do they see themselves in it? So there's a representational sure. issue to be aware of. Sure. There. Then there's also the difference between accessibility and inclusion. So if we're doing something as an afterthought, that's yes. when we all talk about accessibility all day long. There's nothing wrong with talking about accessibility, those things we do specifically for persons with disabilities and those who use assistive technologies. That's a, that's a good thing. We, we should be talking about how screen readers access websites and how uh, folks who rely on enlargement can access a document so they can zoom in without yes. the images getting pixelated. Yes. That's good stuff to be talking about. But we can also avoid, oh, I don't know, 70, 80% of those conversations by weaving inclusion in at the beginning of the process. So what it looks like is in your ideation phase, yes. in your schematic design, That's in right. your DD uh, leading into construction and FD and all this I'm stuff. I'm doing that right, right now on three projects. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Every one of those phases has a touch point, some more than others. You know, we're really involved in a lot in DD, right? Maybe a little bit in schematic, then a lot more like, you know, towards when things are getting built, right? Yes. And what we are thinking about 
about, what we help our clients deal with is essentially how do we make the experience better, richer, more immersive? And by the way, we included another fourth, another 1.9 billion people along for the ride, both figuratively and literally. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I was thinking, um, I'm more getting towards the what and, and yeah. how to make, how to make it sure. happen. I, I, as you were talking, I, I was thinking about, well, what would I do? Okay. So I have a, I have one particular project that yeah. takes place in a jungle. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a vibrant jungle, sort of like if you've, uh, uh the Pandora experience mm-hmm. over in uh, Walt Disney world. Mm-hmm. So, but I know, and I was thinking specifically about you. How yeah. do I make this? Yeah. And I, my immediate thought was, well, make sure the sound effects are intriguing, interesting, and good, and accurate, and and accurate, right. and positioned in three D space correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, matching the visuals that ah, are yes, going on, yes. right? That they're described. And now, how do we deliver that description? Is it an earpiece? Mm. Is it mobile phone triggered based off of location or ultra wideband triggers or NFC or Bluetooth? Those are implementation level details. And we have a lot of different ways of doing that. But how do we respect the agency of the visitor in order to receive or not receive those affordances? You may want captions because the bar is loud. I may rely on uh, captions because maybe I didn't understand what somebody is saying. My deaf friends rely on captions because that's an equivalency for them so they can understand both the language and the non-spoken audio in a media. So we all have different reasons for benefiting or wanting these things. The trick is, to come back to your question about how is, when do you think about that stuff? Well, you think about it during your production pipelines. You think about Mm -hmm. it when you're storyboarding a video and you realize if I make this pan 400 milliseconds longer, I just bought the audio describer two more words that he could slip (laughs) in, right? It's little things like that. Netflix does that stuff. Um, Another another thing that comes to mind, ever seen like a TV show where two characters are texting back and forth? You see the iPhone bubbles going Yes, right. right. Well, you know what they've started doing now? Now the audio describer doesn't even have anything to do in those scenes because the characters read out those. You've heard this, right? They read out the text messages in their voice. They don't even have to say, Sarah says, Tom says, and then Sarah. No, 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 no. They... It's in their own voice. And so then they'll just announce it and they'll announce it nonchalantly as they are acting, you know, as the actor. And all of a sudden, this is a storytelling technique. It's an accessibility affordance. It's inclusive. You know who's talking. It it checks all of those considerations without having to do a damn thing other than in story, you know, boarding and a little bit further on. We we made a choice. We made an informed decision to let the characters say that stuff instead of having some music playing while bubbles are floating. Yes, right, right, right. Wow, that's fantastic. And and it's not it's not just getting the picture down, mm-hmm. right? Drawing the picture fast. Let's let's be. We have to be mindful, yeah. thoughtful. We're mindful with many of the things that we yeah. care about. Uh, so we we need to be mindful of that for everybody else who might be coming to our experience. Wow, that's that that's that's really fantastic. I'd love to kind of put you on the spot here sure. and uh, tell me about some. Uh, the, these are theme park people we're talking yeah. to, man. They they every time I have somebody on here, we talk about what our favorite attraction is. <laughs> but you've got Got this extra layer so so tell me maybe your favorite attraction and then maybe your favorite uh inclusive 
technology or a thoughtfulness, mm. mindfulness that you've seen? So I'm going to push back on favorite attraction because okay. I'm going to, I'm going to claim it. It does not exist yet because they haven't been built for me. Wow. Right? That's great. So it doesn't exist yet. You know, when I was a kid, I loved Space Mountain. Yeah. But if you think about it, like I didn't experience about 80% of it, right? When you're in line and there's like the, yeah. um, there was a, um, a graphics on the wall, That's you know, right. and things like, That's right. I couldn't see any of those, right? right? There was no description for that. The ride is all dark. So I guess, I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe we're in the same boat there for yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all get to you share know, an experience. That's right. But it's, it's that kind of thing where I still liked it. Don't get me wrong. I got enjoyment out of it as a kid and yes. the people I was with and all those other things that compose human experience. But could it have been like a heck of a lot more inclusive? Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm going to claim that my, my, my favorite attraction actually does not exist yet. And, yeah. and I, I want to really help build that thing over the next 10 or 20 years because it's necessary and we don't need one of them. We need a hundred more of them so that this is normalized and we're norming on the fact that this is the way to do it, that it is actually a success criteria yes. for when, you know, I said this earlier this morning, we, it's not done when somebody who uses crutches can't just get in the ride. It's not done if, for example, I myself, who's blind, can't experience a movie or an IMAX kind of thing without having audio description available. We know the engineering on all this stuff. We, yes. we work yes. on everything you can imagine, space all the way to like little historic houses with two person staffs. And, and in all of those projects, what is, what is uniquely, uh, or I should say what is not unique, what is the same across them is that it starts with the commitment to actually include people. Yes. And then you ask all of the logical questions you're asking, okay, I've bought into that premise. Now, how do I do X? How do I do Y? Where do I think about A, B, and C? And, and that's sequencing, but it's not, where do I spend 10% more budget? It's not, yes, right. where do I get at a delay of six months on my timeline? If you sequence it correctly, and we do this kind of work all the time where we build roadmaps with clients, it's actually about taking their existing effort spend and then strategically saying, that's a learning opportunity. Yes. Let's finalize our color palette then and also consider contrast. Let's finalize our sound palette then and also think about folks that might be neurodiverse and would not like a sensory map of loud noises that are going to be coming unexpectedly. Ah, yes, right? yes. It's things like that. It's just, it's about sequencing and being deliberate about decision-making, yes. not about flipping everything on its head and saying, oh, we have to unlearn everything we've done for 40 years. Right, and it's not just retrofitting something no. that's been around. It's it's thinking about it from the beginning. From the beginning, Yes, that's right. You can make changes to things that exist now, but we all know how that goes, right? When you're changing something that's already in play, it's more expensive, yep. it's more yep. rigid, you have more constraints. We all know how that goes, right? It's like asking a family to, okay, can you move out of this house you've been living in for 10 years? We've got to tack on a couple of extra rooms. It's like, you can do that. Some people do. It's nothing compared to, hey, architect, you mind putting a few more squiggles on that blueprint over there? And it costs you virtually nothing at the beginning because it's a design phase. How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they're felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit storylandstudios.com or call now, 
800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big ideas, best ally. Well, where do you think we are in that process? So you, you've said uh, they haven't made a, a, a great attraction for me yet. Yeah. Uh, so, but and I know that they're doing their best, especially with the uh, mobility uh, That's right. f- folks. Mm-hmm. But is there, where do you think we are in that process? Uh, how, 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 how far do we need to go before it starts to feel like, wow, this is the, this is a, the right way we need to be working? I think we're nascent. I think, I think we're early in the process. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of opportunities. And you can look at this and say, well, that's depressing. You know, it's just yeah. a, lot of, lot, a lot of road to hoe. But the other, <laughs> the other way to go around that is to say the opportunities are immense. And so that means that there's a ton of low-hanging fruit bef- before we even, you know, uh, try to achieve some of the really complex, hard stuff. A lot of folks, when we talk about inclusive design and accessibility, they assume everything is like super difficult. Right, right. right. Super difficult. And sometimes it's, hey, can you move that sign one inch above, you know, or below so that a seated position, you know, like a wheelchair user can see it better? Or, yes. Um, hey, the use of all caps as a designer, you know, we get it, yeah, right? right? It's minimalist, right, right, right. it's less lines, but... It destroys word shapes. Yep. All those kids with yep. dyslexia, dysgraphia, you're telling them that that reading thing that is bugging them every single day at school, that just followed them to your theme park. Yes, right. That's right. terrible, right? Yeah. That's the last thing we want them to be thinking about when they're enjoying their favorite character or favorite them, you know, thematic experience. So what we need to be doing is the baby steps, the low-hanging fruit, and then working on those you know, medium to hard problems yeah. when we're doing it from the beginning. But there's... You know, I, I don't want to make it sound negative. There's so much to be done. And so we just need to start doing it, whether it's sea level folks, whether it's people on the ground just designing a ride for the fun of it. Make sure as many humans as possible can experience that fun. <laughs> that's great. That's that's fantastic. Let's talk real quick about um, uh, the selfishness factor. Sure. So, OK, so uh, for selfish reasons, yeah. there's some good selfishness. So I, I just turned 50. You mentioned that 55 people, 55 years or older are, are not 35 and older. Oh, is it 35 and older? Have a 50% over. chance of experiencing a disability. A disability, right. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, my, my buddy uh, at Triumph Foundation who mm-hmm. deals with people who have been in catastrophic accidents mm-hmm. and paralysis. He says, this is the club nobody wants to join, but mm-hmm. once you're in it, you're family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you all can look around and say, hey, I've got, I've, I'm experiencing something like this. So I'm, I'm 50. My eyesight is going. When I go into a hotel yes. and they've got three shampoo, yes. they've got, they've got yes. <laughs> the shampoo Identical conditioner. Bottle. Identical yeah. bottles. They yes. don't even change the colors yes. anymore. Yes. They used to change the colors or they flip the colors. Yeah. And, and, and maybe it's a morning. Maybe you don't have your contacts or your lenses, that's you right. know, your, your glasses on. I, I'm, I've been conditioning my armpits for years and not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but, but for, uh, you, you yeah. mentioned it for selfish reasons. Yeah. We need to be thinking about ourselves when we're, Absolutely. when we, when we no longer have the use of our, uh, we, we don't walk well, but we want yeah. to go to the theme park with our that's family. Right. That's right. And, and also, it's it's not only like our, our future selves, which is, you know, we all get older. And as we get older, we acquire more differences of ability, right? It's also babies growing up with more disabilities. And the real reason yes. for that, I mean, it's, you know, kind of blunt to say, but it's true. Babies aren't dying as much. Mm. And so as a consequence, mm. they're surviving various illnesses and such as a kid. But what that means is that they may be growing up with one or more disabilities. So this is the this is the tapestry of humanity. And we don't, we don't have to guess at this. We can look at Japan. We can look at Iran. We can look at places 
places with older populations and, and see how, how that evolves. Like we know, we have evidence for this. And so then the question becomes, hold on, what are we doing about this? Because these numbers are only getting bigger. Yet yes. Our consideration of these issues does not seem to be growing at the same rate. And there is a problem there. Wow. Well, I I am thrilled with this conversation. It has been quite a, a conversation, and I I am so pleased to meet you. You've really, uh, in many ways, opened up my eyes yeah. to things that I really. It, oftentimes, I hear the inclusivity thing, and I think of the burden. It doesn't need to be that way. We need to think mm-hmm. that way all the way from the beginning, at yeah. the beginning of storytelling. Who's your audience? It's everybody. I'll, I'll leave you with this: the the innovation that has come out of this kind of work is incredible. You have text-to-speech, speech-to-text, optical character recognition, the swipe keyboard, voice assistance, and the QWERTY keyboard, just just to name a few, all because those problems were solved for persons with disabilities needing access to whatever, the printed word, word, digital interfaces, et cetera. So it's not just like a thing that we quote unquote have to do, it's a thing (laughs) we need to be doing if we wanna experience more innovation in, in the world and solve some of these problems that we all uh, need to be addressing. Well, I'm just thrilled, Sina. It's great to uh, have you on the show. I really appreciate it. Can't wait. I hope you can come back and we'll talk about the uh, the best attraction you've ever been on because it was made for you. Here's to that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, Mel, at the end of the interview, after I stopped recording, this is so funny. I asked Sina what his favorite inclusive attraction is, and he answered back with a challenge saying, we haven't built it yet. <laughs> because he's he's blind, he cannot see what we're putting out there. And so he's asking the world, hey, create an attraction that includes me uh, from the beginning. And I just love that challenge. So how can we be better at including everybody's needs in every experience that we create? Well, boy, you know, obviously... Um... <laughs> That's a big question, question. right? Um, and I, I think it just still starts with that idea of, of empathy. I mean, again, I, I can't think uh, about doing a new attraction without thinking about my son and taking it, you know, it through with, you know, my son. And that's just easy, right? As for any parent yeah, or any yeah. dad. Uh, but again, there's something about, uh, I think, the process of education, of uh, awareness uh, of insight again that can bring us that place of just thinking through that lens of um, those that just are different, uh, you know, in terms of abilities and perspective and backgrounds from ourselves. And so I think it just goes down to that simple golden rule and you know trying to live yeah. that <laughs> the best you can. Oh man, that's so true. Uh, well, I, it, the challenge is ahead of us. I mean, in this project that we're working on, we really do want to create a, a place that's that's really well thought out. And Cena's been a huge part in helping us think that through. And we just appreciate him so much. And uh, I'm so glad we got him on the interview because uh, I think the story is worth telling for everybody in our industry. Take it to heart, folks. You really, you really can do more. Well, Mel, the shadows are getting longer out here in the jungle. What do you say we turn this clunker around and head for home? Yes. (laughs) It's been a long (laughs) time. Well, until next time. Thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. 
We want you to know that we do not take your listening for granted. It means so much to us that you listen to this show. But would you mind helping us just a little bit further by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify? That would really help others find the show. And uh, we love creating community like that, you know? We want to thank our special guest, Sina Baram. You can connect with him on LinkedIn and get his help creating thoughtful, inclusive design on your next project through his company, Prime Access Consulting. Check out their website at pac.bz. That's pac.bz. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com. Start your own profile, discuss the latest advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at Themed Attraction and join our active discussion group on LinkedIn. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at skipperfreddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Barry is the author of Imagineering an American Dreamscape, the genesis, evolution, and redemption of the regional theme park. This book tells the epic stories of regional theme parks and the strong-willed visionaries behind them. Some of the stories you may have heard, most you probably haven't, and it's a fascinating tale to tell. It's available to purchase on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or direct from the publisher at rivershorecreative.com. You know, Mel, Barry told me he was once stranded on the savannah and was forced to eat zebra to survive. Well, I was shocked. I find it impossible to serve zebra. You know, light meat, dark meat, light meat, dark meat, light meat, dark meat. Thanks for listening, folks. Light meat, dark meat, light meat, dark meat, light meat, dark meat.